Hey, my whizzes. Today we are going to talk about money. That's right. The good, the bad, and the complicated world of managing your personal and business finances. So if you tend to stick your head in the sand when it comes to your numbers, you are not alone. And the great news is that I have the perfect guest to help us all today. Please welcome Luisa Alberto, a personal finance coach and the creator of High Five SF. Luisa is joining me on Food Biz Wiz today to share how to build a solid financial foundation for yourself and your business so that you can both thrive. I love this. So we are talking all about cash, credit, reporting, and more. So keep on listening even if, especially if, this topic makes you cringe. You're listening to Food Biz Wiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is supported by QuickBooks, an online accounting software that I have been using since day one in my business. Okay, fine. Maybe not day one, but if I could go back in time, I certainly would have started using it on day one. QuickBooks has helped me get organized and stay organized with my business finances, and it ensures that I pay my quarterly taxes on time and accurately each year. If you want to try QuickBooks and save 50% off your first six months, use my link in today's show notes. I promise you that you'll wish you had started using it earlier in your business as well. Okay, so my whizzes, I said it in the intro, but I'm going to reiterate this. So Louisa is the creator of High Five SF and is a Bay Area-based finance coach for ambitious entrepreneurs, and mid-career professionals who struggle to get a grip on their finances. I mean, I feel like that's all of us at one point or another. Louisa has a robust background in the food industry, working closely with some of my very favorite Bay Area companies like Blue Bottle Coffee, Good Eggs, and the Bone Vivants, helping them implement scalable solutions in finance and operations. So Louisa, I know working with those companies led you to start your own food business in 2012, So let's start right there. So tell me about your previous company and the big aha moment that you had in running your own business. Yeah, thank you for that intro. Um, My passion and my heart is so with the food and beverage community, um, you know, and has been since I started and actually since I moved to San Francisco. So this is really um, an awesome opportunity to talk about that. And after working with these very notable players in the Bay Area food community and working really closely with the visionaries who started these companies, I thought to myself, this is such a wonderful community. I wanted to play a more active role in it. And so I had worked with Blue Bottle Coffee, uh, actually running the wholesale department for a few years and had really learned a lot about the local restaurant scene and um, really loved sort of getting my hands dirty. And so my coworker and I decided to turn our um, sort of passion and energy around coffee into the uh, organic food movement. Mm -hmm. And we started a juice business. And so it was 
made to order fresh juice, all organic, all local Northern California ingredients, really special stuff. Um, and coming from Blue Bottle, we had sort of this technical side to us of uh, yeah. making sure that you know, the proportions were correct and everything yes. was sourced well and kept clean and just as on point as we could possibly make it. Um, and so it was a labor of love yes. from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> you were like the blue bottle of juices. I love this. And of yes. course, my, my mind goes to like, oh, like how expensive was that juice? Um, but I think that's where we're getting to, like the part that we're getting to, right? Yes, that is exactly the part that we're getting to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was um, a, a big jump in price point. And so, you know, coffee as a commodity, you know, the margins are great, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and you, for the consumer, you know, you're not really, it's a small luxury, right? So yeah. it's something that people don't often compromise on. It's a daily, you know, part of people's daily routines. And yep. so um, it's really easy that way. And we really wanted to create a similar experience for our customers, but the financial modeling and business model for fresh juice is extraordinarily different. And we learned that the really hard way. <laughs> mm, yeah. So you didn't, you know, I'm, I know so many listeners of mine are beverage companies. We have so many beverage, beverage listeners. And so to, to clarify too, you were doing like fresh pressed made, was it made to order? Yes. Yeah, every okay. juice was made to order. Exactly. Yep. yep. Okay. So you've got not only like the high cost of ingredients, you were in the ferry building in San Francisco. I can only imagine how high the rent was. And then you've got your labor on top of it too. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It was a lot. <laughs> okay. So what happened with the juice company? So it was a labor of love. Um, you know, that community was so incredible and uh, it was wonderful. And I loved showing up every day and I loved spending my time cutting oranges and talking to people. I mean, it was lovely. Um, and that's why we went into business. However, um, when we started the business, and I'm sure many people can relate, uh, we took on debt to be able to do that. So sure. we started the business back in 2012. There was this movement where people were doing a lot of pop-ups. Yep. So pop-ups at the time you know, were folks taking over uh, businesses that were closed during the day, for example, and had space available. So we took over a wine bar um, mm. and made juice out of a wine bar during the day while the wine bar was closed to just sort of like get our feet wet and um, get some experience with service. And that was a really economically sound model, right? So yeah. um, in the beginning, the numbers looked great. We didn't have the overhead of rent. <clears throat> we were the ones working there mm. every day. So we yep. didn't really have the labor costs, and we were making everything fresh to order. So we weren't sitting on any inventory and Uh, we didn't really have any packaging either. And spoilers Um, too. I imagine you were like, it was pretty dialed in. Exactly. So that felt really great. And that model was incredible and gave us a lot of hope that we could put it, um, sort of translate that into a brick and mortar, more established business over time. Yeah. And then... There's always and a but. Then, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> um, yeah, being at a prestigious place like the Ferry Building, where there's a ton of foot traffic, um, was expensive um, on many fronts. So the rent was expensive. Obviously, labor um, was expensive, and in San Francisco, with the minimum wage hikes happening, um, yeah. became more expensive. Us factoring in our own time and money—that was a big piece of this, and. Mm. This is actually really where my sort of path diverged into personal finance because 
it was such a miss for me in my business, Mm. taking care of myself first and making sure that I was financially stable and sound. Um, that was, that came last in my previous business. And the moment I realized how critical that piece was to the business equation, it changed everything. Oh, you are speaking my language. I, I see, I see my retail ready students make this mistake. I see, you know, people who show up in my inbox every day making this mistake where they, they aren't factoring in their own labor into their financial model, right? Cause they're like, Oh, it's my business. I'll work for free. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You can't pay your rent with <laughs> your juice every day. Um, so, uh, I, I so hear you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then you decided to shut down your business and focus on something else, right? I did. Um, I had a a life change where I had my daughter and all of a sudden not only was responsible for building this business that was truly a labor of love Mm. because I wasn't paying myself. So the reward all of a sudden felt disproportionate to the work I was putting in. Um, And so I really needed to focus my attention on my daughter. I really needed more flexibility in my life. Uh, And yet I had built all of these skills up um, on the finance side and the operations side of running a business. um, And I really wanted to put them into practice and take all of the experience and learnings that I had had in working with my retail business and move it over into a model like coaching, which is what I'm doing now, um, to really help people who have a passion product or have this thing that they want to put into the world, um, have the, help them make that a sustainable play. Have them help them really understand what goes into building a business that's going to take care of you and take care of the people you employ and your customers for the long haul. Yeah. Okay. I love this. So this is this is exactly what we're going to talk about today, right? Like how to build a solid financial foundation for yourself and your business. And so you said, so you both can thrive. And I really like this, this idea that they're so, they're so connected here. So let's, let's get into it. So let's start with the very basics and let's talk through exactly what business owners need to monitor, what they need to think about, how often they need to review these things when it comes to their finances. Yes. Fantastic. So how I like to start is as simply as possible with anything finance related because it can get really big really quickly. Yeah. And for a lot of people, money is not an easy topic. We don't learn a lot of the basics. We don't know what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, where we're actually supposed to be spending our time. And so I like to break it down in the most simplistic way so that people can know that they're taking the right actions with the time that they have um, and not get too overwhelmed in the process. So I I like um, this. Okay. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So simplest activity is to check your account balances. And it's funny because this is a really simple thing. But oftentimes it's the thing people are most afraid of (laughs) doing. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) So, um, but it is such a must because we need to be able to see the reality of our situation so that we actually have the option to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I recommend that people do this daily and or weekly. Um, And we'll get into a little bit more about um, sort of, you know, managing cash flowing in and out of your business. But this is really critical because what you want to be able to do in anything that we talk about today, 
um, is to really start to feel empowered and like you can anticipate what's going to happen and like you actually can play an active role in deciding the um, you know, destiny of your own personal finances and your business finances. That's really, really critical and really, really difficult for so many people. Well, I like that you start with such a, a seemingly straightforward task, right? Checking your account balances because, you know, you probably heard me laugh when you said that that's the first step, but that is, you're, you're right that it's, it's something that feel, can feel so daunting, right? And it's this idea that like, you know, if we, if we ignore it, we don't have to, you know, either acknowledge there are pro- that there's a problem or we don't have to, we're just not, we're just, <laughs> we have our head in the sand about it. And then we don't have to make decisions based off the reality, right? Well, exactly. And I think a lot of people avoid looking at their account balances because they feel like there's nothing that can be done about it, right? It's right. like, okay, this is yep. the money that's sitting in the account. Um, great. Now what? And there's <laughs> this question of like, now what? And without, you know, we'll get into this, but without a plan, without understanding sort of what that number means, it's yeah. just a number. And yeah. the first question that goes into your head might be like, well, how do I know if this is enough? Or gosh, yes. this is really, really yeah. not enough. Or oh gosh, there's a lot here. What do I do with it? Like there's just, it's so anxiety provoking this one tidy step. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I can picture myself even having to do something like set a calendar reminder daily or weekly where I'm actually holding myself accountable to, to going in and checking those account balances. Yeah. And it's that simple, just getting into the rhythm of checking those balances. Um, even if at first one tip is at first, actively and intentionally look at these account balances Mm -hmm. and actively and intentionally do not assign any emotion to them. Look Mm -hmm. at the number, Yeah. (laughs) write down the number, right? If if you're somebody who's like, okay, this needs to feel real and you need to write it somewhere or be tracking somewhere, um, you can do that. Or you just literally look at it and you know it and you assign, it doesn't have, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it is, it's a number. Um, and that's just oftentimes an easy yeah. way to people, for people to, um, to start doing this. Well, you're right because there, there can be so much emotion around it as well. Um, and a lot of, I'm sure you get this with your coaching clients, like so much shame and guilt and excitement and worth and value tied to, to that simple number. So I, I like that practice of separate, separating the emotion from it. Yeah. And you know, I'll say this too. We do not learn these very basic mm. skills when it comes to finance in school, um, you know, they're, they're not, it's not taught. And so it's sort of like, um, you know, other taboo subjects where you're expected to know everything about it, but yeah. nobody's talking about it and you yeah. never really learn about it. And so, you know, you're a little hesitant to, to dip your toe there. And yet this is so critical, like I say, to ensuring the viability of, you know, whatever you're working on and your product for the long haul. Cause if you don't have this nailed down, if this is a place of fear for you, it's going to come up time and time again and really hold you back from, um, you know, making your business and your product the best that it can be and reach as many people as you want it to reach. Oh, totally. You know, I always say you don't want to wake up three years later and realize that you've just started a very expensive hobby. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Which so is what we, I did. I know that mistake. I, I've exactly. Done that before. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so so we look at our balances every day. And then and I think your question was 
you know, and then we ask ourselves like, what next? What now? Like, what else are we thinking about here? Totally. Um, so the next thing, and this is for personal finance uh, or as true for personal finance as it is for business finances. But we, we then from there think about what we have control over, mm. right? So these emotions come up and we start to spiral. We go, okay, what do I have control over? Where is it actually going to benefit me and my business to spend my time? Um, and the answer to that is on costs, really looking at what your fixed and variable costs are. Um, So for example, fixed costs, really looking at, okay, I know this is how much I'm carrying in rent. I know this is what I pay for insurance. I know that um, you know, I'm going to be on the hook for, you know, these, this, uh, these automobile expenses, things like that. Just understanding sort of regardless of whether you sell one product or a million products. Mm-hmm. What are the expenses that you are responsible for paying every single month? Yes. Oh, I I can relate to this. It's like, regardless of whether I have one retail-ready student or 10 retail-ready students, I'm always paying my monthly rent. It never changes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And those are the fixed expenses. So you really are paying attention to those and asking yourself questions like, are there ways I can reduce what my yep. fixed, exp- yep. you know, what my costs are, my fixed expenses are? Are there, can I negotiate my rent? Yep. Um, and do I have too much space? Um, you know, is, can I rent this equipment instead of purchase it? Like mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, really understanding sort of like, how can I bring my costs down? And you'll get to a point where you say, oh gosh, you know, it's so a lot of what comes up here is this, is people being afraid of this like scarcity mindset of feeling like, well, all I've got to do is skip, you know, I've got to skip, skip, skip. Mm. And that doesn't feel good. That feeling of how do I do more with less? Like for any scrappy entrepreneur, you know exactly what this is all about. And it's not an awesome feeling to carry you through into a place of abundance, right? Right. It just isn't. So I'm very aware of that. Um, Well, especially to Louisa, and I'll say this, like, especially with these brands who are like, well, I use high quality ingredients. I use glass packaging. I use whatever it is. And that contributes to the quality of my product. If I'm cutting costs here and there, I'm, I'm compromising on my values and the integrity of my product. Right. I love that. Yes. And, and I would say that this is the same, again, there's sort of a dual lesson here for personal finance and for business finance. I am all for you doubling down on the thing that makes mm-hmm. your product sing, right? The thing that sets your product apart. If that costs more, if, it, if you are like, I believe in glass bottles, I believe yep. in them for environmental purposes, yep. sustainability, whatever it is, it's, they're beautiful, they're special, they're unique. People equate my brand with them. Yep. By all means, go for it. Yes. Now, if, you, in a, if you're you know, trying to keep your costs low, in addition to that beautiful bottle, you're getting you know, letterpress labels, <laughs> Yeah. You know, maybe you can decide, or maybe there's a trade-off there, right? Yeah. It's like if yeah. I, in my personal finances, if I'm like, oh, I love eating at the most spectacular restaurants. That's like my. That's where I splurge. I'm a French laundry girl. I do that, you know, <laughs> twice, like whatever it is. Like, you know what? Go for it. Like, I totally support you in that. But maybe you know you cook at home, right? You know more often than not. Right. When you're not splurging in that way and you're not, yeah. you know, ordering out at, at the finest restaurants every yeah. day of every week. So 
I think there are small trade-offs like that that we need to be able to make for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so we talked about the fixed costs, and I think where you were going with it too is is then we look at our variable costs next, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And here's where we just want to be aware of how our expenses and our net margins, like the money that we actually take home, how that's changing Mm -hmm. as, as you scale, as you produce more, as you need more, um, you know, hours from your employees, as you need more packaging supplies, as you need to. So just really understanding and looking at the relationship of your increased revenue mm-hmm. to you know these increased variable costs that move in relation to whether your revenue is, is increasing or decreasing or staying um, you know more stable. Yeah. Really looking at and understanding those relationships is another really critical piece of the equation. And I think this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is where a lot of people get stuck, right? Like they mm-hmm. know that they're supposed to be looking at all of these financial statements each month or week or, you know, whatever they've determined is right for their business, but then they don't do it. <laughs> do you see this happen? <laughs> yes. That's why people call me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, why, where's the disconnect? Yeah. I think it feels bigger than it has to mm. be. Yep. I think that okay. we spent, we, it feels good to spend time in other places in our business. It feels good to say, how do I make this the most beautiful or most delicious Mm. product I can? And who wants it? Where are they? And how do I find them? I mean, there's a lot of, that's like got a lot of sex appeal, right? Yeah, for sure. Nobody wants to look at the number. I mean, the numbers (laughs) are like, you know, they're just numbers. And a lot of what the numbers are that makes them exciting to me is the story they tell. Mm. Um, And so looking at, you know, one, one day's worth of numbers doesn't tell you a whole lot about it's about the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where something like a projection really comes into play is, is what story am I telling? Really thinking like what indicators, like what is, what are these numbers telling me? How can I infer meaning from them? How can the meaning that I get from my numbers actually help me to run my business better, mm-hmm. actually help me to um, make a better living? Um, actually help me to ensure that the investments that I make in my business are the right ones. Like those are better questions to answer, right? Um, But oftentimes we don't have the optics and can't see the past and learn from it and can't dream about the future in a more realistic way without the right, without the right tools. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so, so much sense to me. And I, I really, I understand that feeling of it just being, more daunting and bigger than it actually is. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. so what, what's helpful, I mean, you know, talking about sort of like the basics, um, you know, looking at financial statements, um, whether you're putting them together or you work with a bookkeeper or accountant who puts them together for you, yeah. um, really looking at, and there's, there's only a few that you need to look at. I'm happy to (laughs) sort of go through them. Um, But there's only a few and it's really critical that they're accurate and that you understand what story they're telling you. Um, So whenever you're reviewing those documents, those are the two um, sort of areas of focus that I usually coach people on. 
Yes. Okay. I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk about what those financial statements are that our our CPG brand should be looking at weekly or monthly. We will be right back. Thanks for supporting the brands who support this podcast. This episode is supported by QuickBooks, an online accounting platform that most of my clients use and that I use to keep our business financials organized and accurate. Save 50% off your first six months of QuickBooks using my link in today's show notes. It's time to get financially organized and they will help you with it. It couldn't be easier. Okay, Louisa, I love that you said, you like subtly said this, that it doesn't have to be the founders or, you know, the, the business owners who are creating these financial statements, right? I think one of the biggest, one of the like best moves that I did in my business, you know, in year, I think three was hiring a bookkeeper because I realized that I wasn't looking at my fin- financial sta- statements as regularly as I should have been. And when I was looking at them or when tax time came around, they weren't accurate, And it caused so much more stress, so much more drama. And I just, you know, I I dreaded looking at these statements until I hired someone else who actually started (laughs) presenting me with a really clean P&L every month. Um, So let's, let's start there. Can we talk about some of these financial statements that you think are crucial to any stable business? Absolutely. And I will just say, if anyone is listening who has similar feelings to the to the to the ones that Ali just de- yeah. ex- just described which I'm sure there are a lot of people feeling similarly this is your permission to go out and get help and yeah. find someone who loves doing this work and is good at doing this work who can manage your books for you who can help you understand taxes, who can help you optimize your finances so that you're decreasing your risk, you're prepared for tax time and understand every part of that, that, um, that responsibility because, and I didn't, I wasn't going to go into taxes and we will get back into (laughs) these financial statements, but I do think this is important because it's a big stressor for any client that I have worked with. They have always struggled with taxes and it's worth spending time talking to an accountant, CPA, tax preparer, or book and or bookkeeper, whoever you can, who is knowledgeable about this. Um, and usually, um, before, taxes are due is the best time. Exactly. Exactly. And Louisa, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I guess, so I'm going to admit it on air for thousands of people right now, like with, um, with my financial statements and with tax time. And like when I hired this bookkeeper, like I would literally go to our sessions and I would have to like give myself a huge pep talk ahead of time. And I would like, you know, like this is, I mean, maybe an exaggeration, maybe not. I would like cry on my way there. And like, I just was so, you know, I had... I'll say like I had a profitable business and I had nothing to cry about, but there was so much emotion tied to the financials that like, it was really, really hard for me to get past that huge hurdle in my business. And now that I do, I will tell you, I check in with my bookkeeper once a month and it is 
like one of my favorite hours of the month. I love looking at my financial statements and realizing, you know, what wins we had, where we could improve. You know, it's not like I don't love the numbers every month, but I at least love having the the power to make decisions. And that that for me is huge. So um I just have so much respect for people like you, Louisa, who love the numbers. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that anxiety that you described, I mean, first of all, you are so not alone. There are so many people who, and it pains me because it doesn't have to be <laughs> this stressful and anxiety inducing, but a lot of that emotion comes from just not understanding, yep. not understanding and thinking that there's no way you could. Yep, but the exactly. truth of the matter is you must. You yeah. must yep. understand what you're on the hook for, why. I mean, these are dollars you're working so hard for, right? This is your baby. This is something that's so important to you. Um, and this is an important you know, um, amount of money, usually a, a quite substantial amount of money that's going out the door. Totally. It is your yeah. responsibility to yep. understand why, how much, um, how to reduce the amount going out the door, how you can be really smart and strategic about reducing that. If you have any questions that oftentimes this is another piece that comes up, people feel like the questions they have about money or about taxes are stupid. I'm just going to say it. People are like, I'm afraid to ask this stupid, I'm going to look stupid. They're going to think I don't know what I'm talking about. And I implore you to ask the stupid, ask the stupidest question yes, you can exactly. possibly think yes. of when it comes to money or taxes or anything, because it, once you get the answer, oftentimes things will start to click for you in a very well, real way. Yes. I, I, I love this conversation because I literally asked my bookkeeper, I remember this. I was like, so how do you define profit? Parker. And he was like, okay. Like he was like, great, Allie. Like now I know like that's the level that we're starting on. And like, I got you. I mean, I think the, the, the big thing is to like find someone with whom you're, you're comfortable, right? Like, um, and someone who knows your industry too. Like my, my bookkeeper solely works with online businesses. Right. And so like, that is so fantastic because he understands all of my online systems. Um, Louisa, like, I love obviously that you have this background in, in the food industry. So when someone comes and talks to you about ingredient costs, you know what they're talking about. Um, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I got off on a little tangent there talking about my own bad money story, but I'm, I'm ready to circle it back and talk about those financial statements. So we talked about, I talked about using a profit and loss statement in my business monthly. And I imagine that that's where you have your, your clients start as well, right? Totally. So yeah, so profit loss is really important. And that is really just understanding what um, income or revenue you've made um, over you know certain periods of time. Um, and if you are reviewing this particular financial statement, it should be at least monthly or it should be monthly. Yep. Um, and so you're looking at um, revenues, you're looking at the fixed and variable costs that we've talked about, um, and you're really getting an understanding of what your net income or net profit is on a month over month basis, which yep. is really, really um, important information. Um, because as Ali said, if there are places where you can improve by doing things that we've discussed, like reducing costs and or understanding, well, gosh, if I, if I hire two or three more people, but I don't increase revenues, you know, I don't double revenues, yep. for example, yep. like it doesn't work. So yeah. really being able to see 
that and catch those things in real time and not let the year go by and realize like, oh no, I thought that I, you know, I scheduled all these, all these people and I thought we were going to do this much in revenue. And now I've come to find in December that we didn't actually hit revenue (laughs) that I had hoped we would. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Catching that sooner is, is, is really important. And that's something that the profit and loss statement does help you do. Gosh. And I can only imagine, you know, here we are in 2020 with people's financials being all over the board and probably looking quite different than they imagined at the beginning of 2020. Um, So that reviewing at least monthly is so crucial here. Totally. And I've heard people saying they review quarterly. Um, Mm. I do not recommend that. I absolutely, anytime (laughs) a client comes to me and says, oh, my bookkeeper sends sends me the reports every quarter, um, like that's I too late. No go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's too well, late to respond. Thing, yeah, yeah. And the other thing about the profit loss statement is, you when you're looking at the profit loss statement, you're the one who actually knows whether or not the information presented to you is accurate. Yes. Oh, yes. Great point. Um, and so, while your bookkeeper or accountant can prepare this report for you, you are the one who can say, "Oh, wait a minute." I didn't, you know, this automobile expense or, or I, you know, I paid this much here. Why is it showing up? Why yes. is it showing up this month? Where is yes. that expense? Um, so you need to be able to anticipate a bit because you're the one who is living the month that happened. You were the one who was managing those employees or, or scheduling them or purchasing inventory. Um, your bookkeeper's not doing that. They're just right. looking at the transactions that show up. Um, and they're not perfect and neither is the banking system or yeah. online system. And so you're really the person who needs to make sure that all the information captured there is accurate. Yeah. I think that that's a great point. And you know, my bookkeeper says this all the time too. He's like, I just give you the documents, Allie. Like then, then <laughs> you're the one who has to read them and, and make, make changes based off the documents. Okay. So we've got our profit and loss. Anything else we're reviewing monthly or on the regular? Yeah. I mean, the balance sheet is the other report that's really helpful um, for understanding sort of what your um, assets are, what liabilities you have. So um, it should be an accurate reflection of, um, you know, any uh, big swings um, Mm -hmm. in those areas. So if you make a big, big purchase of inventory or equipment or anything like that, that should show up on that balance sheet and have an effect on, um, you know, your overall sort of... um, a uh, uh, big picture for the business. Gotcha. And so really understanding that, understanding how you're servicing debt, your debts will show up there if you've got a big loan out um, or something like that, understanding how you're servicing that debt and looking at what's um, left on, on paying that debt, mm-hmm. for example. So that's a biggie. Um, monthly is a great uh, cadence with which to look at that. Just as if you're already looking at the profit and loss, make it easier on yourself. Look at that monthly. Yeah. Um, that might change... Uh, there's a little bit of less change in that particular report on a monthly basis, but it also really depends on your business. So mm. I would make a point to look at that monthly um, while you're looking at the profit and loss statement. Um, and then the last is the um, is is your understanding of of cash flow, your cash oh, flow reporting. Gosh, that's such a big one for for our <laughs> baggage food beverage producers here. Thinking about that cash flow is major. Yeah. I mean, really understanding how does money come into and move out of your business? Really 
getting a feel for that, right? So this is where things like seasonality come into play, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, maybe you're a business, you know, you have a, a cold beverage um, you know, company that does <laughs> yep. a lot better in warmer months. Yep. Um, and so really understanding the ebb and flow of those revenues through the business is really going to help you understand when you can make bigger purchases, for example, yeah. when you're more cash flush, um, when you might need to bridge the gap with, um, you know, a line of credit. And so cash flow is a, another really critical piece um, that actually I suggest um, people review on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. And, and knowing like reviewing it on the big picture basis and then thinking about it, um, you know, year, year over year or month over month and, and realizing that there are, like you said, those ebbs and flows to your business throughout, throughout the year. Um, and that's okay. Again, you just need that info. Exactly. And information is empowerment. Um, It really empowers you to make more strategic decisions about purchases, about hiring, um, about how much you need to save or set aside at various times. Um, You know, if you're going into something like a larger business decision, like taking on investors or, I mean, the more data, the yeah. more you're, you're, you come into those conversations and that strategic thinking with on the number side, the more likely you are to make the right decision or a better decision for your business. And that ultimately means that you're making a better decision for yourself and your business um, you know, in thriving for the long haul and really being sustainable and really being viable for the long term. If you're doing that in a dark room where you can't see anything, you know, chances are you're going to hit a wall. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've got a couple of questions for you before I let you go. And the first one is this. So I, I bet I'm just going to whip out my crystal ball here and bet that a lot of our listeners are nodding along. They're like, okay, yes, I get it. I get the importance. Like that is great, but I'm not a money person. Like I understand, but at the end of the day, Allie, at the end of the day, Louisa, like I'm not, I'm not a money person and I just don't think I'm going to be going to ever be one. Like, I'm sure you get this a lot with your, (laughs) with your clients. Um, Have you heard this before? Yeah, I totally get that. And I wasn't a money person, quote unquote. So that's the funny part of all of this is that I knew going into the business I started that I was not a quote unquote money person. Mm-hmm. I was a creative, yep. I was artistic, I was, yep. you know, I, I was a people person. And those qualities are great. They'll get you really far in business. <laughs> but in this case, really doubling down on learning the basics of what you need to know and what you need to be aware of as a business owner, it will make or break you, I promise. And when I was going into my business, I was very aware of the fact that I wasn't a money person. And so I surrounded myself with mentors and advisors mm-hmm. who were, who could walk me through a cash flow projection, who could break down my profit and loss statement with me. Um, I did hire a bookkeeper. I hired multiple bookkeepers. Not all bookkeepers yeah. are created equal. So, <laughs> um, you know, you want to make sure that you're able to communicate with the people around you who are. Um, helping you learn about numbers, but I I promise if you if you've got that sort of wall up about it, it just means that you need to put add to your to do list um, learning about yeah. learning more about and getting more comfortable with numbers, and it can be as easy as looking at your profit and loss statement, and if you don't understand anything on it, finding 
someone who you trust who can break it down for you like you're in second grade, like yeah. just starting with the basics. Gosh, there's there's always more to learn as a business owner. It's just yeah. wild. <laughs> but the financials are, are, are a huge piece of the business, right? Like at the end of the day, if we are not a profitable business, we don't have a business. So it's, it's definitely something to, to prioritize right now. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I've got another question for you. So Louisa, um, you mentioned that you coach your clients now. Can you talk to me about the difference between coaching and consulting or like just like straight up being their bookkeepers or their accountants? Like what, what is it? What does the role of a financial coach do? Gosh, I love that you asked this question because it is so confusing. There are so many people out there who <laughs> want to help with when it comes to money. I know. Um, and this is off script. So, um, <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, how I, my definition of financial coaching and what I do is I see it as my job to understand where your gaps are. Mm. So seeing and helping you see where things currently stand, right? And understanding just what your current situation is on the business and or personal side of finance um, in relation to your goals. So if your goal is to, you know, build a sustainable business that has, you know, a relatively, you know, stable, consistent, but maybe not huge profit margin, those goals will be very different than somebody who wants to scale to a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. And so personal finance is very different for everybody. And I am very aware of that. So it is not my job to tell you what your goals should be. It's my job to help you plot a realistic course to get there. Um, And that is by encouraging, motivating, educating, and providing the tools and resources, support and accountability that we all need um, to be able to achieve things that sometimes feel impossible. Um, I help people bridge that gap and make their, um, you know, their dreams and what they, what their goals are um, feel more tangible Mm. so that they have more of a chance of actually manifesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love this. And I, I'm so grateful for you and the work that you do. I, I cannot emphasize enough how, I don't I just have how empowering it was for me to get a hold of my business finances and then of course that led to more clarity on my personal finances and it's just such important work for me to do uh, on my own so I'm just so grateful that that you allow people that opportunity as well. Well, and kudos to you Ali cuz it's not easy and so anybody out there who's who's feeling like over inspired and motivated but kind of overwhelmed like it's so natural um, yeah. and it's really just a one baby step at a time kind of move. This doesn't happen overnight for many people. I oftentimes have multiple sessions with folks before the light bulbs really <laughs> start to go off. And it's so cool to see that happen. And I promise you it does happen, it Does, yeah. but you get out of it what you put into it. Mm. Um, and so it really yeah. does take prioritizing this part of your life if you've been putting it off for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh. I feel like I could talk to you about finances for another hour. (laughs) (laughs) Louisa, okay. I'm sure that people are interested in connecting with you and and staying in touch. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me um, at www.high5sf.com. That's my website. And I am on Instagram a lot. I just posted about how excited I was to record with Allie. Um, So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is um, at 
high five SF. Uh, you can find me there. Awesome. So I will link that in the show notes. And Louisa, like I said, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Have a good one. You too. Okay, my whizzes, there you have it. I promised you an episode filled with insightful conversation around personal and business finances, and Louisa totally delivered. I know, like I said, I was kind of winging it on my personal and business financials for the first few years of my business, and I wish that I had had the foresight to get my act together sooner. I, I want that for you. So here's your opportunity to learn from my mistake. So get on managing your finances, especially if you are a business owner now. And you know the drill. Come join us in the Food Biz Whiz Facebook group to continue the conversation. The more that we talk about money, the better. So come and chat with us. I will be waiting for you as well as over 1,500 other food business owners. Find the Food Biz Whiz Facebook group directly in our show notes or at foodbizwiz.com. All right, I'll see you right back here next week. And until then, stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.